I'm Lori Power, Director of Lifelong Faith Formation at Christ's Redeemer Parish, and welcome to Talking Saints. I'm here today with my co-host, Pete Sanchez, reporter for the Catholic Star Herald, and we'll be spending just a few minutes talking about a particular saint and how his or her example can inspire us, because as Pope Francis reminds us, to be saints is not a privilege for the few, but a vocation for everyone. Hey, Pete. Hey, Lori. How are you today? I'm good. Enjoying this fall weather. It's a little cooler anyway than it has been. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're getting through, we're, we're moving our way through the calendar of the year with the you saints. got it. Yes. And I am excited about our saint today for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, so his feast day is actually the anniversary of my baptism. So I celebrate <gasps> my spiritual birthday on his feast day. Wow. So he has a special place in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And um, maybe there might be quite a few people who, I don't want to presume, but you might have heard of, of this individual, but so. you're, you're not quite certain. We're going to, I think, flesh out, hopefully for you, more details. His life, yes. So, of course, we are talking about St. Vincent, Vincent de Paul. Paul. Um, well known, of course, because of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so why don't we start with his early life, Pete? Um, yeah. Do you want to start off, or shall yeah, I? No, I can talk about him. So awesome. he uh, he was born in France in the 16th century, and he was born. Uh, he was he would think he was the third or the fourth. I think it was third or fourth of third or fourth. Um, and he uh, seven, right? I think it was four boys, three girls, something like that. Four boys, two girls. I two sisters. Two sisters. There you go. Three too. brothers, two, two sisters. sisters. There you and go. He. Uh, was pretty smart as a young boy. He had a talent for literacy. He was born to France in the province of, excuse me if I butcher this, Guyenne, Guyenne and Gascony. He was born to peasant farmers. So the south of France. Okay. Yes. Um, that, wow, Lori, I'm glad you know your geography. Um, and then uh, actually at 15 years old, he, uh, well, before this as a farmer, he was helping his father with livestock, and that, that kind of becomes important later on. Mm -hmm. um, but at 15 years old, his father sent him to seminary, which I find is fascinating. Uh, it was paid for. They sold the family's oxen. Aww. So the father, I mean, that's a devotion. Sacrifice. Yeah, I, exactly. That, I think and that it was shows... probably unusual. I imagine the other children did not go to school. They just stayed on the farm. So they must have saw some great promise in him that they would sell yeah. the sell the family oxen to send Big him deal. to school so, yeah so he studied at a college in france and then uh it was next to a monastery where he lived of the friars minor and then he enrolled in theology at the university of toulouse uh that seemed kind of rough for him um there was a murder of an official mm -hmm. right there with him uh when he was studying and you know he and this is part of his heart. You know, again, um, everything, you know, you, you can really tell um, this is going to, you know, it, it showed from an early, I'm, tr I'm trying to trying to say this eloquently, and I can't. <laughs> um, he had a heart for individuals, and you can see that because one of the ways, not only did his initial studies get financed by Oxen, but to continue his studies at the University of Toulouse, he actually tutored students. That's right, yeah. So that's a big deal. And then at 19 years old, he was ordained a uh, priest, I believe, right, Lori? Mm -hmm. And do you want to pick it up from there? Sure. So, well, okay, so this is fascinating. I had no idea. He was on a sea voyage in 1605, and apparently the ship was seized by Turkish pirates, and he was 
either imprisoned or sold into slavery. They seem to think it. They say that time's kind of a mystery, but they believe he was actually sold into slavery for two years. And during the time, he actually converted his owner to the Christian faith, and they both escaped from Tunisia. So that's incredible. He was actually a slave for a short period of time and then was also able to convert his owner, which led to his freedom. And uh, it sounds like the owner leaving... uh, Tunisia with him. Um, So then he did spend some time studying in Rome and um, he was actually uh, like a teacher, a tutor, a spiritual guide for an upper class French family, which this was quite a turn of fortune for him. Um, And it would also be important later on when he would need to go to those who are wealthy to um, support his charitable works. So this was maybe one of the first connections he was making with his family. And initially it seemed that Vincent he began his his studies for the priesthood with the intention of really securing a life of leisure for himself because he saw how hard his family had to work as farmers as peasants so initially his first motivation was you know what i this is going to be an easier life for me but he underwent a great change of heart after he was hearing the confession of a dying peasant and he was just touched and he said After this, he desired to go to the farthest places and tell all those who find themselves lost that God exists, that he is a God of gentleness who has not forgotten them. So in that moment, he he saw this dying man who was uh, very just overcome with grief and um, I guess felt far from God. And he felt like, you know what, there are probably those out outside the city who maybe have not heard of God and not heard of his goodness. And he also... uh, embraced a a manner of gentleness he knew that that was the way that he was going to um, help people realize that god was with them and god was there and that god was gentle as well so that was a major turning point in his life and that's when he really felt even more moved to work with the poor especially those outside the cities yeah and that would have been easy for him and his uh that to be gentle for his irascible behavior that's, his irascible nature that's right they're, they're, his friends even said you know what by naturally he was a little bit irascible but he said except for the grace of god he would have been what was it pete hard and god, he, yeah, hard, hard and repulsive and rough and cross okay yeah, but he, uh, he became with god's help a tender and affectionate man that was very sensitive to the yeah. needs of others and you can see that because he really poured out his whole life yeah. for those in need he did and if you, i don't know if, if people might not be he became leader so he, he was under the count this day gandhi mm-hmm. I, again i'm I, I apologize for these french listeners um <laughs> he uh she supported her she persuaded her own husband, the Count, to uh, support a group of missionaries who'd work among poor tenant farmers. And doesn't that sound familiar yeah. uh, to us as St. Vincent de Paul? And he worked some time in Paris. He initially did not take that on that leadership, but he started seeing, you know, he worked among galley slaves. And a big story with this is it kind of reminded me a bit of Maximilian Colby. Uh, Maximilian Colby, of course, uh, he took the place of a, a member of somebody in the concentration camps, and he lost his life. Uh, St. Vincent de Paul was different in terms of he, what they would do with these prisoners is uh, they would have them or uh, for work and labor. And, and uh, he actually heard a mother's plea to help her son, and he took the place of— Right, on one of the, the galley ships. Yeah, yeah, he went in and rode for him. That's— yeah, that's not easy work. No, that just but he shows took it you on. his heart. And uh, so because of this, he worked to this and then he said, okay, 
I'm going to start this. I'm going to be, he realizes, calling. And what is now known as the Congregation of the Mission, or the Vincentians, he started. And these priests all took vows of poverty, chastity, obedience, stability. They devoted themselves entirely to the people in the small towns and villages. That's right. Helping he, them out. Great. He realized, well, he looked at the need and he realized he needed help. Um, so, you know, one of their main works was to evangelize and, and foster vocations because there was also a priest shortage at the time, which sounds familiar, right? Yeah. <laughs> Across today. Um, and he also realized, you know what, he needed additional help, particularly maybe caring for young girls and women. So he met this woman, Louise de Merlec, who was a widow, and he invited her to share in this work. And with her, he actually established the Daughters of Charity. Now, they were unique. This was, they were, this was ahead of their time, indeed, and it was unusual at the time. Um, he said, these, this was a congregation of women religious whose convent is the sick room, whose chapel is the parish church, and whose cloister is the streets of the city. So they, of course, their apostolate was among the poor, the sick, and prisoners. And prior to this, Pete, it, women religious were only in convents. So today, if we see a sister, you know, we'd see them in schools and hospitals working outside. But at this point, if you became a woman religious, you were a nun, you were um, cloistered, you were in a convent. So some people did not take well to this, to see women mm. out serving the poor. But he was convinced that there was a need and that God was calling them to this um, and that they could be both contemplative, that could, could be prayerful, could be women religious, and also be serving the needs of the poor. So yeah, they, they, they were they were ahead of their time, uh, Louise and Vincent, for and sure. I think, too, it's interesting. I think of the class system, too, because you're serving, he was serving the poor people, the poor families, bringing mm. food, bringing them presents, if you will, comfort. And he was able to persuade these wealthy Persian families, yes. so these wealthy women. And that is a big deal, too. That's kind of... Um, revolutionary dare i say that's yes, uh, a that very connect thinking. those with yeah those with means to the work that he was doing there was a story that he um asked queen anne of austria so he wasn't shy in <laughs> going to those of means to ask for help and anne knew of him and respected him but she didn't agree with a lot of the things that he said so vincent basically told her you know we need to overlook our differences because helping people in need is more important than what we disagree about. So he was able to convince people, yeah. even who didn't necessarily agree with what he was saying, that what he was doing was so important. Yeah. He helped even found, I don't know how, do you know how many hospitals? I'm not sure how he many, found it? but okay. I know. Yeah. He was quite a few. He was, that and, he was and, taking care of abandoned children. He had a hospice for the elderly. Apparently at one time with Louise and her sisters, they had a complex where over 40,000 poor people were either given lodging or work. And he was, a, it, Vincent was involved in all of these in some way. Um, yeah, and he, as you said, he would organize the rich women of parish to actually not only give, but to collect funds. So they were doing fundraising for him, which is brilliant. And he was yeah. definitely not shy to ask for help. <laughs> no, and he really inspired so many, and he still inspires, as we'll talk a little bit. His legacy goes on, and not only in this charity work, but in retreats for, That's for right. the clergy. That's and right. So apparently at this time, the priests were not many and not well-formed and no. maybe not really faithful to the way of life they were supposed to be following so you're right he did uh begin to he was offering retreats right yeah he offered retreats and because there wasn't much to them and he uh he even established seminaries um if i can find my notes here about that about the seminary uh they mentioned um 
Yeah, he was really helping to develop, I guess, like a precursor of what our modern day seminaries would look like. And apparently later on, his community, the Vincentians, were uh, directing 53 upper level seminaries. So what oh, he yeah. what he uh, helped to establish, they were then continuing to help flourish. So it's amazing. He, yeah, here's what I have. He uh, one of the uh, you know, he, he opened to the priest and laity, these retreats mm-hmm. that were so well attended. It is said he, quote, infused a Christian spirit among more than 20,000 persons wow. in his last 23 years. So uh, we're thankful for that um, with, the, with the, the education of these. And I'm and sure. his impact even remains today. So I believe yeah. there are still about 4,000 Vincentian priests in 86 countries. Yeah. And then the Daughters of Charity, which he founded with St. Louis de Marillac, there are 18,000 daughters still serving in 94 countries. So that's yeah. amazing. They obviously did not just stay in France. <laughs> no. Their work was needed everywhere. So. And we have quite a few in our diocese of Camden. Uh, yes, we have. A, I know at least a few that are serving in our parishes. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, wonderful individuals uh, continuing on that work, and the I think the um, and we, we don't want to forget either. We did a podcast on Saint Louis. We uh, did Marillac, Louis de Marillac. Yeah, so, so go back wanna, and listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of get the whole overview. Um, but he, uh, do do are, are we? Any, anything else? Yeah, so any other stories? I found a site that it was very impressive. So it was interesting that he, he started off becoming a priest because he wanted a, a, an easier life, you could say. But as it turns out, from that point in 1617, when he really decided to put himself at the service of the poor, when his heart was changed, um, he really did not stop sacrificing for them. So his schedule typically was this. He would wake up at 4 a.m. every day, and he would go to sleep around 9 p.m. And the day consisted of... Three hours of prayer, three and a half hours of what he called various, and nine and a half hours of work. So his his life was constantly marked by the slow, consistent work, particularly for the poor. Um, I also had heard uh, there was, I guess, a book written about his spirituality, and he was very much um, given to the idea of abandoning yourself to divine providence. He said, God will reveal the work that needs to be done. Um, don't try to run ahead of it. Like, don't try to get ahead of what God is trying to do. Mm. So obviously that didn't mean just sit back and do nothing and wait because he look how he was working nine and a half hours a day and sleeping very little. Um, but just waiting for God to show where the need was and then it would become clear. OK, this is God's will for us. And obviously God made his will very clear because he was serving in so many different ways. There were so many needs and he was able to fulfill them. So pretty amazing guy. And, and his name lives on today, still through the good works of the people who... Oh, yes. We forgot to on. mention the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Yeah. So the Society of St. Vincent de Paul was not founded by St. Vincent de Paul. No. It was actually founded about 200 years after he lived by Blessed Frederick Ozenam. So also a Frenchman. He was also in Paris and he saw the need. Um, and he, with some other college students, established the society. He, and they took St. Vincent de Paul as their patron. They didn't initially name it that. Um, but then decided to change the name to the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. And the rest is history because we have councils and chapters of St. Vincent de Paul. I guess I think they're called conferences. We have them all over our diocese and they're all over the world doing yeah. good work. To and help I'm, the sure, poor. I'm sure if you're uh, if you're interested in, you know, doing what he's did and helping the poor, helping the needy, feeding the hungry, um, just you can Google St. Vincent yes. de Paul and something will come right up in terms of, you know, if there's a place in your area, just to be able to help. I know uh, in my church there uh, every Sunday they have a little drop 
yes. Dropbox, you know, you can leave food and items and non-perishable yeah. goods. And I was part of our St. Vincent de Paul um, at my parish for a short time. And it's amazing, not only with coming through with food there, it, like each, anytime anyone calls and needs food, they would, you know, be able to go to the pantry, but also if people needed like utility bills paid, or if they were going to, you know, like lose their apartment and needed help with mm. rent, um, because of the poor box that St. Vincent de Paul maintained, they were able to help people in those situations, which, and they did it quietly. People didn't even know. But I know, remember whenever St. Vincent de Paul Society at the parish needed anything, if they put that out there, the, the parish would immediately step up to help because they knew of the good work that they were doing. So it's beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating uh, getting back to, you know, he died at the age of 80. Yes. Right? So he lived and a very long life. He yeah. Did. He did. And he, uh, it's fascinating. One of the things here that that uh, they mention his uh, his heart was so full for people. His heart is actually incorrupt. Wow! And it, it can be found in the convent of the Sisters of Charity, and his bones are now in a wax effigy of him at the Church of the Lazarus Mission, and both are in appropriately Paris. Paris yes. So, if you're in Paris visiting the Eiffel Tower, the Sacre Coeur, <laughs> the Notre Dame, well, I guess they're still rebuilding Notre Dame. Okay. Um, yes. Have you been to Paris, Lori? I have in high school. Yes. I it's, don't think we visited Saint Vincent de Paul, though. Unfortunately, I don't think we did either. That that's a reason to get back to there Paris. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, check it out. And then two miracles have been attributed to him. So. He was beatified by Pope Benedict uh, the Thirteenth in 1729. Um, he there was a nun who was cured of ulcers, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I think the the second one, which led to his canonization, was a laywoman cured of paralysis. Wow! So um, it's just a big, and I'm not certain. I. I not certain when he was canonized. 1737. Thank you. Yep. Clement the 12th so canonized him. So, so not too long after his death, but no. I'm sure people could see even as he was living that this is a man that was completely given over to God's will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's a good lesson for all of us to kind of just be sure where our hearts and our minds are listening to what God calls us. And that might not be what we want to do, but... He's calling us to that conversion. He's calling us to uh, helping our brothers and sisters uh, and uh, doing our part, doing our part. And that's what it and and he saw it, too, for everybody. He saw it for he saw it for the lady. He saw it for the priests. Mm-hmm. He started these seminaries. He he was had the education background, too. And so he was instructive and he. He kind of, he he did a lot. He wasn't just into one field. That's I think true. we know for the charity, but also we can't forget about the seminaries. And yes. that's really interesting to me, too, as just somebody helping who... Helping people become holy, right? That was... Exactly. That's catechesis. And you yeah. know about that, too, of course. There we, Lord, we always say that. <laughs> um, but do you have a prayer to close do. out this? Yes. Uh, Let's ask for his intercession. Okay. St. Vincent, patron of all charitable associations and father of those who are in misery... Come to our assistance, obtain from our Lord help for the poor, relief for the infirm, consolation for the afflicted, protection for the abandoned, a spirit of generosity for the rich, grace of conversion for sinners, zeal for priests, peace for the church, tranquility and order for all nations, and salvation for them all. May we be united in the life to come by your intercession and experience joy, gladness, and everlasting happiness through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. Vincent de Paul. Pray for us.